I'm a huge believer in the role of, of science and technology in advancing society, but we need to do it in a way that is humane. conference and Ola said could you come back I'm like I can't come back all the way across <laughs> so so I said but I'll come next year and he said okay I'm gonna invite you so here I am oh really okay this is a bit ad hoc but we'll do this yeah whatever <laughs> uh, welcome Alison Johnson to Her Framtiden happy to be here uh, you are most known for uh, working with Apple doing the uh, um, important years of launching the iPhone right. and the iPad as well and the iPad yeah. that's right and iTunes and uh, <laughs> iMacs and everything with an I you're responsible <laughs> for um, the paradigm shift we've gone through uh, he was just I, I participated yeah there was <laughs> lots of help but yeah um, there was one interesting thing that I noticed uh, in a talk that you did earlier um where you said that uh, the words brand and marketing were banned from your brand marketing. The vocabulary <laughs> at Apple, yeah. The two words that we were not allowed to use uh, were the, brands, the words brand and marketing. And the w- reason for that was um, Steve thought that brand was this artificial term that was made up in sort of Mad Men era days um, by, by uh, folks who were trying to justify giant ad spends, right? And he said, people don't buy brands. They buy products. Mm. Um, and our job is to make products that people love, right? And so uh, we weren't allowed to use the word brand. And we had to think of products in the context of every single interaction that a person had with our company and our product. And so, you know, we designed uh, every one of those interactions to be a, a moment of joy, a, a moment that built trust as opposed to, uh, uh, a, a withdrawal in the trust bank, so to speak. So a deposit in the trust bank over a withdrawal in the trust bank. And that's um, that's the way we thought about it. So it wasn't about building a brand. It was about um, building trust. And some would even say that Apple has become almost a religion or yeah. a, a cult. <laughs> <laughs> or did, did, you have, did you have anything like that in mind? No, uh, never. Uh, it, it was just... Um, I think it's something that happens when people can feel how much a company cares about them and, and the products that they're building, right? About mm. them, the customer. And and uh, that was true. I mean, we, as I said, we were making decisions based on is it the right thing to do for the customer? Not did it cost less? Did it cost more? You know, would it make us more competitive? It was always simply is it the right thing to do for the customer? Um, and you could feel it, right? As a customer... Um, You might not know it, but it it takes 4.3 seconds for the lid of of an iPhone box to rest back on its base because uh, it would create the right amount of suction when you opened it because it was a moment of ceremony, right? And Mm. we, we thought of it in the context of there's some... Uh, some kid who spent their whole summer, you know, saving up money from babysitting uh, to buy their first iPod, and we wanted that to feel like a moment of ceremony. Um, and we'd hand ink the edges of the boxes so you couldn't see the paper seams. And, and that level of care, that level of attention to detail in moments, um, is is what translated uh, for people. And 
and that creates a level of, of devotion um, that you know could border on cultish. <laughs> But so so was the design uh, element or the design team were they sort of involved in all aspects of the absolutely of the customer the journey and the customer yeah. experience from packaging design to uh, what you'd see in Apple retail websites to or Apple retail stores to what you'd see on the website to the advertising to the films to um, you know uh, the experience that you'd have when you walked into you know a China mobile store um, where Apple products were sold we really um, were involved in every single aspect of of Uh, touching and, and communicating with customers, reaching customers. How long were you there? About uh, a little over six years. Okay. And how do you see Apple's development since? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously it, it changes with different leadership, right? Um, uh, Steve was a unique kind of leader, and um, and he was a founder, right, and, and, and ran the company the way he wanted to, right? And now the company has to grow and scale and it's got new leadership uh and and i'm sure it's it's obviously it's doing a magnificent job i mean the stock you know valuation of the company surpassed a trillion dollars the first company in the world to do that um so so the company's doing marvelous under under tim's leadership which is um i think a tribute to you know the fact that a number of the folks who are still Uh, who were there when Steve was there are still in key roles um, and, and carrying the vision forward. So um, it's it's uh, it's been great to see. Um, and, and what did you do when you stopped working with them? Yeah, I uh, I wanted to take that set of skills and experiences and, and that I learned at Apple um, and apply it to uh, the new generation of companies that were being built on on this new mobile platform that we launched. Um, so companies like Airbnb and Twitter and Square and uh, and and really help them uh, make their way into the world. So lots of focus in Silicon Valley on building product, um, incubators, accelerators, uh, venture capitalists who focus on product um, and how to, you know how to build great products. But there isn't a lot of focus um, in the valley on how to build great markets. Um, and one of my uh, former colleagues, uh, Mark Andreessen, would say, uh, you can have a great team and you can have a great product, um, but if you don't have a great market, nothing else matters. So market matters most. Uh, so I saw it as, as my opportunity and responsibility to, to help these companies making incredible products make their way into the world. So, so what is a great market? So a great market uh, means that you have a value proposition Um, that you're building something that really is meaningful to people and uh, and you know how to get that product in, in, in front of them and into their lives. And you do it in a way that they want to continue to use it every day. So you, you're actually you know creating a moment of joy or you're, you're solving a problem in a, in a fundamental way. Um, and so if you can uh, find your customer, fill a real need, um, and then find lots more of them, Uh, that's a big market. That's a, those are great markets. Uh, have you seen any other uh, companies or brands building the same kind of uh, religious aura like Apple did in well, your back in your days? Yeah, certainly there are companies like you know that uh, you know I see lines around the block when I'm in New York or at at the Supreme store, right? Mm. Or or when Nike or Adidas introduces a new shoe. Um, you know, th there's that kind of fandom um, 
so, and certainly, you know, there are bands and musicians that have that kind of uh, tribal love, right? Mm. Um, uh, but, it, you know, as far as, as companies that, that create that same kind of, of uh, passion, it, it's hard to see. It's hard to find. It's rare. And how do you think uh, the future would look like for this kind of marketing? Well, I, I think the role of marketing has evolved greatly over the course of the last several years. Obviously, technology is a, is a really fundamental part of the job of marketing, data and insights, and, and helping us get more precise about targeting customers and messaging to customers and uh, you know uh, finding customers is vitally important. We can use data and analytics to help really understand how to drive revenue and, and growth more effectively than ever. And these tools are now in the hands of marketers, um, which is a new role for marketing, because typically we were the guys who were spending money on things that people really didn't understand the value of, couldn't mm. really quantify right now. We're definitely in, you know, in the middle of, of, of quantifying and, uh, and, and value to customers. So I think that means that marketing has a very big role to play and a legitimate seat at the leadership table in a way that it hasn't in the past. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a great time to be a marketer, but you need to, um, you need to understand not only the art of marketing, which is the storytelling and the beauty um, and, and the emotion and, and, and really getting into people's lives, but you also got to understand the science of marketing um, and how you can effectively use data and analytics um, to be a better marketer. I mean, it doesn't matter how many tools you have if you, don't, if you can't build uh, the relationship with no, the customer. And, that, and that's, uh, you know, data can help you understand um, how many people are out there and help you A-B test mm. which feature... Um, or, or which button uh, they like to push. But ultimately, um, you know, you have to answer the question why. Um, and why isn't a question that you can answer through data and analytics. It comes through um, really face-to-face -face interactions and really understanding and connecting with customers um, in a way that data doesn't provide. There's also an um, ad fatigue You from bet. the customer side. You bet. And, I mean, marketers can jump onto these tools and see that they can automatically target and use yeah. programmatic to, to reach people. But if I get slightly irritated, I, they have failed. Absolutely. So it's a very delicate line. Yeah. And, and you certainly can't use advertising, um, you know, uh, as, your only, as your only tool here. Um, so you need to be thinking about, you know, how to create meaning, um, how to show up in ways that add value and, and purpose. Hmm. Um, and, you know, so thinking about experiences, thinking about content, helping people get the most out of their products, being beneficial and useful in their lives versus just hitting them with advertising, for sure. Hmm. How many times in your Facebook feed are you like, no, thank you? <laughs> yeah. Especially for products that I've already bought. That's Absolutely. the most annoying. It's so annoying. Or I, like, books that I've already read. I, I, that, that whole Add Joyce button on Google. Mm. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What, do you, what would you say was your strength in working with the, the iPhone and iPad, for example? What did you bring? Well, I think, um, you know, the, the thing that we did that was um, sort of antithetical, right, mm. is, is that we were launching a new product, and, and our job was really 
not to do traditional marketing, but to help people understand how to use it. You know, so it was really about educating and informing and helping people make this transition from kind of old flip flones and, and, and into this era where you were actually touching a screen and using your fingers in ways that you'd never uh, thought of before. So it was, a, it was really uh, to help educate people and help them get the most out of the product, um, which, you know, isn't always the way new products are launched. But it was, it was important to us, you know, we thought about, you know, the contrast we made. It was like today, flip phone era, 90% of people were using 10% of their phone, right? We wanted 100% of people to use 100% of their phone. That was our goal. And so we had to, to show them how to do it. So it was really sort of not very glamorous marketing. It was education, hmm. right? But how important are these uh, yearly uh, Apple conferences because um, they sort of build the enigma around yeah, they, and the attention. They, they're certainly, and, and Steve was the master, right? I mean, he, you know, his ability to to bring people into, um, you know, what Apple was building and 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 why was was magnificent, and uh, and Apple still is, you know, the best at bringing new products into the world. One of the things that I think was really important is that Apple, uh, as much as as people were always wondering what were we we were doing. There was a real cadence to how we launched products and when we launched products and and what to expect. Um, so, uh, but but it was the beauty of it. It was the storytelling. It was uh, you know that that I think was was so magical and would bring people in into the journey and you know become our storytellers for us and create that level of evangelism mm-hmm. that I think is. Every company tries to get, but it's really it's hard to do. Do you think they will continue uh, to do this yearly, or will it be oh, for sure. faster? Yeah, um, you know, I think the challenge that that Apple has now is is the scale um, of of the product cycle, right? So when you're launching a new product and it goes to you know tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, and you have to manufacture all of that and distribute all of that. Um, the cycles get a little bit longer um, because it just the pure scale of it. And I think they're also conscious of the fact that, that people don't need to be on a yearly replacement cycle for things like iPhones, right? I mean, that, that gets awfully expensive. And, um, you know, if we're asking people to, to give up their phone every year, um, it better be for really good reasons, right? And so the innovation cycle, it, the pressure is on them. Uh, to continue to, to release products that really deserve to be upgraded all the mm. time. Um, <clears throat> do, you, uh, do you still live in Silicon Valley? I still live in Silicon yeah. Valley. How would you say that Silicon Valley has changed during these uh, 15, yeah. 20 years that well, you've been there? It, it, uh, it's, an, it's an amazing ecosystem in the sense that there's so much talent and there's um, a lot of money and there uh, are... Uh, resources that are unique in the world um, that have grown up there and so it's a very fertile place um, for for innovation and there's a, a spirit there that that pervades it sort of you know grows in the ground from the, the days of sort of you know gold mining right um, to now um, that that anything's possible um, and uh, ambition is good um, I think that recently uh, We've fallen into a little bit of a tech utopia state, where uh, we think technology—you know—we we aspire to make technology 
um, that is good for the world, um, that is a force for good. Um, but we don't always uh, accept the responsibility uh, that's, that comes with that. And I think that Silicon Valley is going through a little bit of a reckoning at this moment and really thinking about um, the unintended consequences of the technology that we put into the world and the responsibility that comes with that. So um, I think it's an interesting time. Mm. Do you see a lot of ethical and moral discussions going on? I wish I saw more of them, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more. There's certainly a, a set of folks who are, are starting to have those those discussions and conversations, but I think it needs to go much further and much deeper into uh, the ecosystem. Yeah, and some people see Silicon Valley as a very homogenic yeah. um, area. Or um, Yeah, diversity is a problem. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, uh, d- diversity and uh, equality are, are problems. And I think that that uh, is not good for society. And it's especially in an ecosystem that's responsible for producing things that have such a giant social impact. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think that's something we really have to work on. Do you think Silicon Valley will have the um, same kind of um, impact as it has now in the future? Or do you see other areas popping up? Well, certainly it's exciting to see other areas popping up. I've spent uh, a lot of time in the Nordics over the course of the last couple of years in Mm. in Helsinki and in in Stockholm and also in in the UK, Amsterdam. Uh, So what's exciting to see is that uh, there are great companies being born and built here. Uh, and I think that's super important. I also think that you know there are some interesting advantages or opportunities uh, that come along with that in the sense that um, I think Europe has a different view of of you know individual uh, data and and use it, control of data um, at the individual level in a way that maybe the U.S. doesn't. And so. I think Europe also has a different feel for the role of government in regulating some of these industries, which I think uh, could be very important and could teach uh, the U.S. some some interesting uh, lessons. You you might be certainly I think that in, in many cases, particularly in Sweden, equality and diversity are are uh, just part of the culture, not in the same level of debate uh, that we that we face in the U.S. So there so there are certain huge benefits I think to technology innovation centers um, popping up around the world. Uh, mm. So I'm a huge proponent of that. I hope it continues. What is your best tip? This is a big question. What is your best tip for making the world a better place in the future? I think it, it is thinking about, I, I'm a huge believer in, in the role of, of science and, and technology in advancing society, but we need to do it in a way that is humane. Um, so I think to the extent that we ask real questions about humanity and the humanity of technology and, and, and the impact of, of technology on society and build product in the context of improving social impact deliberately, having a beneficial social impact and really questioning it, um, it is really important. So in the context of you know, all of the companies that are getting started um, and, you know, at a DNA level, you know, ask those questions um, and make sure that, you know, you have answers that you're going to be proud of um, 10 years and 20 years on, um, because hopefully you'll be hugely successful and you want to leave a positive imprint. 
Yeah, so sustainability is not just some CSR no. activity on the no, side. Not it's, at all. It's, it has to be built into the, yeah. the, the core I, of the I, brand. I live in California, so sustainability and uh, climate are huge issues. Hmm. Um, and we live with it. And it's, you know, creating devastation. And so it, it's not a fairy tale. I mean, those, you know, understanding our impact on the planet and on people is really important. Can the tech companies be instrumental in, in uh, battling climate change, for example? Uh, certainly. I mean, th- what's interesting is, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the companies who are trying to deal with those things, whether it's in the context of packaging and packaging design and making sure that, you know, we're creating products that um, that are, you know, good for the, good for the earth um, uh, and not doing damage to the earth. There are companies that are, looking at um, creating a more sustainable food supply. Um, those are all incredibly important companies. I mean, apart from connecting the world and making our, our lives better in many ways, do you think Apple works in sustainable ways? In yeah. Climate I, conscious ways? A hundred percent. Apple is, you know, has always been uh, concerned about that. I mean, even, you know, in packaging design in the very early days, looking for products that um, we knew were easily recyclable and, and you know, would uh, uh, dissolve into the earth, corn-based, right, mm. and things like that. So we were really studying the impact of, of our products on the planet from the very beginning. Uh, so I, I think that's built into the DNA there. Great. Um, who do you think we should interview? Oh, so many people. Uh, I there's there in the context of food supply. There's a fellow by the name of, of Pat Brown who runs a company called Impossible Foods, who is making um, a plant-based burger that tastes like beef. So there's no compromises for all those beef lovers, um, but it does far less damage to the planet. Um, so you know, just those kinds of remarkable individuals who are are working hard to do good. Um, mm. Those are the folks I would point you toward. There's do you lots have any, of those. <laughs> do you have any uh, reading tips? Reading tips? Um, I'm reading Harari's books right now. Hmm. Um, super interesting. And I think that they are are, are good for, for the folks who are, are building companies right now because I think it makes you super conscious of the issues that we're, that we're looking at in the 21st century. Hmm. Thank you so much, Alison Johnson. For You're welcome. Uh, joining us thank you um, you can find everything you need at heyaframtiden.se next time we'll discuss something else thank you for listening